to the Hope This Helps Admin Center, a podcast that never goes down. We are announcing show number 28, the Microsoft Ignite pregame show extravaganza. My name is Steve. And I'm Tiffany. And thanks for tuning in. We have quite a pregame show and possibly a postgame show, depending on when we get this episode out. So we're going to try to cover both ends the best we possibly can. It'd be cool if we could do a Red Zone show. We will be probably doing lots and lots and lots of Microsoft Ignite Red Zone, but just probably not live because I don't know if that's really feasible with uh, everything else we we have to right daytime jabs being part of the sessions and everything makes that a little bit difficult it it does we already have like the whole commentator thing down we just need a surface hub or something so we could like circle stuff circle draw and erase and draw hopefully appropriate mm-hmm. things on surface hubs which will undoubtedly be part of many presentations starting tomorrow all the way through thursday absolutely what a good time i'm i am sad though that it is virtual i think it really loses its charm but i am still weirdly excited i am also sad that it is virtual mostly from an organization standpoint because i can't really make my schedule coherently now because i'm not physically going anywhere and the restrictions on when sessions happen seem to have gone completely out the window and now that they respect international times i have stuff that is scheduled in my itinerary to happen at like three in the morning four in the morning and half my schedule is also duplicated events or replays. So my my Ignite life is a mess right now, and I need to fix it within Same. 12 hours. Same. But No. Yeah. 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 Wow, we're like all about this today. That's one of the things that I'm really upset about, and I, it's not really upset. I think that there's not enough focus right now, so it's hard to like step away from the real job for three days because the demands are so high at at the real job yeah exactly that's the problem i was having even today people were like have you made your schedule i was like with what time i i'm, I'm just having trouble just even remembering that i even registered for ignite it actually took me by surprise that it was this week at all yeah i'm also registered for vmworld and one login connect and i think Ooh. even jamf something or another when is vm world because i forgot i think it's next week ironically man that's heavy yeah it's a lot at one time wow what were they thinking uh i think that they're always this this way okay so september 29th october 1st so it is next week oh oh boy okay yeah i'm registered for that okay i'm just not gonna get any work done for the next two weeks either that or i'm gonna miss both of these these conferences and i'll have to watch them or hear about them through other means that is true that's what i'm almost certain is going to end up happening i'm a little bit grateful for the 10 p.m ones because i'm like ah this is probably the only time that i'll get to watch anything i'll be burning the midnight oil for sure and i'll be logging in at 2 a.m. for all the sessions that tell you to turn your webcam on and be social and I'll just make grunts and groans to Microsoft people which isn't much different than normal operations it's part of a conference now that's so true oh I can't even imagine like having the camera on for people how awkward if you can imagine it was like that meme of the uh, Mr. Incredible hunched over the computer and um the other person i think from incredibles 2 i forget i forget her name it's a meme you know memes yeah no yeah i don't know what a meme is yeah no wow. <laughs> anyhow memes, memes and all that anyways thanks for tuning in 
And if you are a new listener, welcome to our craziness. If you are a returning listener, thank you and welcome back. We have certainly something to talk about today. Today we have categories such as our boot up, which is going to be random topics, most likely consisting of Ignite, of Ignite and then maybe actual sysadmin things. We have a couple of stories, uh, one apiece we're going to probably get to tonight, and of course that is accurate, and ask the Stiff's question of the week. It's all loaded up with um, tons of goodliness. Yeah. So, we're excited. Yeah. So jumping into it, in this week's boot up, boot up, sticky monitor edges. Steve, why do you always have the weirdest stuff? <laughs> I have the weirdest stuff because, I don't know, I think it's interesting. What what are even sticky monitor edges? Is that like the snap-in thing? You got it. So sticky monitor. I love that. I hate that. I love it. <laughs> All right, we got a we got a core, not corresponding, uh, <laughs> conflicting opposite opinions here about sticky monitor edges. Wait, wait, hold on. Were you like the classic Apple person who liked the minimize the way it was without being able to snap? Snapping. No, what 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 I what I like is when I have more than one monitor, and you have them arranged horizontally, hor- horizontally, <laughs> vertically, or maybe in a two by two grid. You know, I like to drag windows in between these monitors. What I don't like is when I drag a window in between a monitor and it gets stuck in between the monitors and the operating system decides you actually wanted to snap it or keep it on the monitor and not bring it over to another monitor. And you know what Windows 10 does? It rudely insists that my mouse movement was not of my own control and desire. And instead, it's like, no, I'm going to hold this here and literally make me jam my mouse across the desk until it actually decides to go over. Sometimes some windows won't even do that. You have to really finesse it or even like trick it or physically fist fight your computer to get it to drag to another monitor. This phenomenon is called sticky monitor edges. It did not exist in Windows 7 or 8 or 8.1. It was introduced in Windows 10 and I hate it. I, I don't have that problem. Well, how many monitors do you have? Do you have I have two twenty sevens. Two twenty sevens. I have four twenty fours. Oh, that's because you're being too fancy. No wonder why you have sticky monitors. You have too many. <laughs> well, technic- <laughs> te- I do have a fifth. Technically, it's my work laptop with mouse without borders linked, but it's not really a monitor as much as it's just another computer sharing the mouse and keyboard through a network link i do that as well i do i use synergy look at us we're like not even agreeing on anything tonight wow yeah (laughs) yeah this is a this is a very hotly contested episode look at this debates and differing opinions this is this is what we this is what we want we want the we want the controversy yeah no this is some real controversy right now so wait you use like i'm stuck on the mouse without borders i get it yeah that it's easy and yada 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 but i don't know i understand synergy i used to use synergy i think a decade ago like 2008, 2007, I stopped using it because I had trouble. I don't know if I had trouble with it or I think the software was freeware and then did it become not freeware? They have a free version and then they also have the premium version. The premium does encryption, whereas the free one does not. 
Why do I need or some level of it. I don't know. I, I don't know. It does some other stuff too. But really the free one is probably fine. Okay. Yeah, I used to use that way back in the day when I had Windows and uh, a Mac because the cross-platform. So Mouse Without Borders is made by Microsoft and it's only Windows. The two computers I'm linking are both Windows, so it's not a big deal. Oh, Synergy yeah. Synergy is the winner when it comes to cross-platform, though. So if you're using macOS to Windows or Linux to Windows, that is the software of choice. I don't know. There's probably other ones. Um, there used to be Input Director for Windows. Oh. They existed for a while, too. So that that is what I used Synergy for was it was. Wow. Is Windows to Mac. Yeah. Um, the other thing about Mouse Without Borders that I think I had an issue with Synergy is when my work laptop is connected to the VPN, Synergy loses its link between that computer and my desktop versus Mouse Without Borders, which somehow maintains the link between the two computers despite a VPN connection possibly interrupting it, but it somehow finds its way. So I think it defines its routes differently in a way that the Cisco VPN client can disrupt less. I don't know. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense. It just works for me. Yeah, no, I actually had the same issue on my previous work computer uh, with both, actually, where I was the VPN, whatever reason, that port must have been blocked for both. I wasn't able. So what I ended up doing was creating an entry in DNS and just going to the external IP address and redirecting traffic that way. And it worked. Oh, yay. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. That's- Yeah, so I have it configured like that now anyways, just because I'm not going to go through all the effort of deleting things. Yeah, same. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Okay, so we have our picks of uh, uh, virtual KVM software then (laughs) for for mouse and keyboard sharing. And I still hate sticky monitor edges. That doesn't doesn't change my my opinion on that one. Get better monitors? It's not the monitors. I know. I just want to blame the monitors, okay? I refuse to blame Windows 10 here. I have found articles about it. It, like people have complained it's, yeah it's i think the official name for it is sticky edges and they've gotten increasingly more annoying about it because you used to be able to kind of suppress it or disable it with registry keys but as windows 10 has been developed more and more they've kind of locked it down and they're just like no when you have multiple monitors we want to really make the windows kind of snap to the monitor you have it on and if you're going to travel it to another monitor, we want to make sure you really want to do it. So you have to really put a lot of effort into it. But it makes it really annoying, especially if you have it arranged in anything more than a horizontal grid. As I, uh, I, it drives me nuts. It's a really good arm workout. I, I suppose oh, no. it'll get get you moving. <laughs> yeah, it, it it'll get whatever the the blood pumping or whatever people say. It'll be the what's up, Denny's three a.m. mosh pit. At yes. 11 a.m. I weird side thing is that Denny's at 3 a.m. is not a very exciting place. No, it is not. I've been to Denny's at 3 a.m. It's you're all just tired as all get out and you're like, why am I eating pancakes? I hate myself. <laughs> right. And these hash browns aren't even real hash browns. Or is that IHOP that has the weird hash browns? Why am I here? What was I doing last night? Who are you people? Right. Do I even know you? How, how did I get here with you? Anyways, Denny's at 3 a.m. Don't recommend it. Uh, unless unless you're going to be doing some Microsoft Ignite sessions. And if yes. you're in an area with low to no COVID or you can safely do it, maybe do some 3 a.m. Denny's Ignite sessions. Heck yeah, that'd be great. You're just like pop into the local Denny's and you pop into a session and it's like, wow, that's a really great background you got there. No, this is a real life Denny's, guys. 
No, guys, this is a Grand Slam I just ordered. This is a Denny's. Yeah, this is Denny's right here. I have my Oreo milkshake and my Grand Slam. Mm, yes, and <laughs> let's talk about Azure <laughs> at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, seriously, good good topics. If you want to bore yourself to sleep, I'm kidding. Azure's a great topic. Not at 3 in the morning. No, no, no. Sleep is uh, much needed. So iOS 14, <laughs> that dropped. iOS 14, it dropped and it screwed up mail. It screwed up Exchange. It screwed up Azure. It's a, it's, Microsoft is still trying to figure out what the hell Apple did to it. Understandable. And that's just for the native client, isn't it? Yes, the native iOS. So if you're using Outlook for iOS, no problems. It's just going to work. If you upgraded from iOS 13 to iOS 14, your mail is probably not going to work with Exchange Online right now because when you try to sign in, you get this thing that says admin approval needed. The thing that changed is it used to be called iOS accounts and now it's called like Apple Internet accounts. So they changed something with the enterprise application to Azure. It's the same ID. They updated the display name but they like change something with the permissions and supposedly what you have to do, at least according to some people on Reddit and various places across the internet. And I know a couple folks at Microsoft are trying to figure it out is you have to update the permissions to reapprove the app or you have to click the grant permissions for org name button, something weird like that. Do you need to be an or uh, org admin? Wow. A global admin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you got to be a person of power in Azure to uh, to uh, hit the button and update this. I don't know if there's any other solution. I haven't heard of any other good one that was sensible. Um, there was also talk if you could have your users self-enroll in this, which you, I really don't think you want to do. It's more mm. of a thing you should do from the top down and approve for all your users. But yeah, something something happened with iOS 14. I've heard conflicting reports that people are saying this wasn't an iOS 14 problem and it showed up in like earlier versions of iOS 13, but I was like, at least for us, no, this appeared in mass, starting with the iOS 14 betas for just a small number of users, and when iOS 14 dropped, bam, thousands of tickets. Yeah. I am I am not believing that this was a problem with iOS prior to 14. iOS, I mean, Apple majorly changed something with 14. Well, to be fair to the native um, iPhone app, iOS app, didn't support modern authentication until fairly recently. So that's my guess if I had to take a wild stab at it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I forget what permissions, I read somewhere what the permissions delta was between the two but it changed mm. enough where it required a reapprove in azure in your uh, iam aad enterprise application apple internet accounts thing there is a thread on r slash sysadmin that explains it better than i can but yeah that's uh, ios 14 the unexpected kick in the nuts for uh mail seriously ouch yeah that's no good i use the outlook app but i could see it definitely hurting some some folks out there for a while before we figured out it was actually a problem in azure i was actually kind of telling some folks just use outlook for ios if you can because you're going to sidestep a lot of these problems the problem only became we must fix this tier when we realized that we had hundreds if not thousands of tickets that were running into this problem oh. we're like okay i guess we should probably fix it for the native app because that's not a good look no it, it is not care about the users or something right 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 you want to do right by them but if honestly if there's not going to be an immediate fix for it it might be worth just mentioning going to the outlook app yeah so if you're if your org is slow to fix it just download outlook and use that it 
gives you more features than the native iOS mail app anyway. Mm -hmm. It also can separate your work or school life from your personal life a little bit better if you siphon that off to another app anyway. Facts. Or if you your org is going to move towards like man policies and stuff. So makes it easier. Or if you want to accept a calendar invite and not automatically send the response, the Outlook app is the only one that can actually do that versus the native calendar app, which will always send the response without any option. Oh, I always accept any calendar invite without a response. I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah, my default is accept without sending a response because I don't I don't want you to know if I clicked accept or decline. Let me let me let me decide my own life here. Right. Let me be me. And then also it's just really obnoxious. It's like every if I make a change to or, or update it, you don't need to be notified every time. Yeah. And like what what does the other person on the other side think? It's like, oh, Steve is tentative. Ew. What a what a little jerk. Oh, I don't want he's... people to think about me like that. He's changed the time like four times. Why can't he just make one time? He doesn't like that conference room. He always tells me he hates that conference room. But that one smells weird, like mothballs and sweaty shoes. It's, yeah, it, it's <laughs> unsightly. The light blinks and when someone flushes the toilet down the, down the hallway, we smell it. That was real too. That's not a joke. That was true for me, but it was not at not at my work. It was at it was at it was at college. It was oh, one awful. really smelly. It that's was an terrible. Awful, it was an oh. it was an office. It was an office intersecting the bathroom and the dining hall. So you got smells from both. Ew. <laughs> they that ran is both, the worst. They ran both the pipes above the drop ceiling over the office, and they crisscrossed. And there were certain times of the day you just could not be in that office. It was bad, that smelly. That is horrible. But remember the bathroom, the single bathroom across from the two conference rooms? Oh, yeah. That, was that always, one that was, was always, always very smelly, too. It's like whoever was in that room knew precisely what you were doing in the bathroom across the way. You almost had to like stealthily, like solid snake your way into that bathroom and hope no one saw you going in or out. Oh, it's so true. It's like you had a whole audience, but really you didn't want to go in that bathroom because you know what everyone was using that one bathroom for. Their taxes. That Yeah, their taxes or having a phone conversation or taking a shower because there was a taking shower. Taking a shower. Oh, right. That one did have a shower. What a weird place to have a shower. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, oh, and speaking of iOS uh, 14, some really exciting things that we found right before we started today's show was that you can now change the app icons. Yeah, there's ways to literally make desktop shortcuts in iOS 14, and you can replace all of your apps, and by replace, I mean throw them into a folder or hide them, and replace them with shortcuts that launch the same app, but you can replace them with your own custom icons. They can be MS Paint, they can be old iOS icons. They could be Android icons, Windows Phone. They could be a composite of Steve Ballmer's face in a grid. This is so great. This is so great. You could just have like different Steves in all of the various backgrounds. I want to just make it all my face. Oh, when you I should give someone my phone. I'm like, here, launch the app with my here. face on it. But they're all your face. I know. The face that I'm making that looks weird. But Steve, your whole face looks weird. I know my face looks weird. I've gotten no, over I, that. Oh. <laughs> I know. So it won't be bad when they're like, just, when you're like the weird looking one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Close your eyes and poke the screen. Right. You'll open something. It doesn't matter. I had to like stop myself from saying that's what she said. 
Well, you just did, so. I know, but it's not as funny now that, like, I waited and, you know, I I purposely ruined it. So it wasn't going to be I'll I'll try to fix it. I'll try to fix it in editing if I'm not lazy. No. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) we have a quick follow-up from Hope This Helps, episode 25, for CBE 2020, 1472, Steve just got really excited like he was going to an auction. Yeah. So my, I'm going to let him. Just up. Okay. Get real excited because Steve's going to tell you about this. And over here we have CBE 2020, 1472 as a proof of concept patched in a Latin writer. And if it's you haven't installed this patch, patch. Okay. I can't do this auction. This voice. This patch. When I talk fast, words become mush. Go one, go two, go three, and two. Let, I don't know. I can't do it. The auctioneers, they. Uh, no, I'm not an auctioneer for a reason. No. Let's let's say that ten times slower in a language that everyone here can easily do it understand. In thespian, use your thespian voice. Mm. CVE twenty twenty fourteen seventy two has a proof. Of concept, you should patch as soon as possible, as directed by a governmental entity of the United States. This patch was released in August of 2020. (laughs) There is a good chance you have already installed this patch, unless you are lazy or don't patch. So patch. It doesn't even have to be the August patch. It can be the September patch. That is all. <laughs> that that is all. Hope this helps. <laughs> I, hope, yeah, hope this, this ha- helps. Hope this helps. Patch your stuff. Yeah. Um. This uh, is vulnerability <laughs> is nothing new. We even talked about it here on Hope This Helps episode twenty five. Check it out. It was a vulnerability in the domain controllers. Um. Basically, zero logon. Someone can gain access with no credentials required and take control of basically everything. It was raised as a absolutely critical. Drop everything and patch it by uh department of defense or, or yeah yeah or one of them one of one of them the justices of department doj i think yeah, i don't know maybe, that doesn't sound right one of them DOJ. I'm the important people who tell us to do stuff the point of it all is um yeah so this was a vulnerability discovered in august it was patched in august just install the patch from august yeah because it's real bad and i'm i'm a little bit envious like why do hackers get to get zero login? Why do I have to enter a login every time? This is you know, frustrating. I got to enter a password. I got to do two-factor authentication. And then I got to do like a CAPTCHA. And I got to log back in every few hours sometimes because my token expires. Like, what? you know, yeah. Why do people yeah. breaking into my system think they have a better login experience than I do? Right. It's like using a What's key on the that? front on a dead on a deadlock and then them just walking in and opening the window. What? Yeah. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> Yeah. Like what's the point? What's the point? This is rude. Another follow-up from Hope This Helps episode 27. This one's sad. This one's this one's shorter and just it just annoys me. So that big initiative to merge the servicing stack updates and the monthly or latest cumulative update into 1KB. Um, turns out that is not going to be for server OSs. It's only for the Windows 10 client operating system. And server OSs will continue to separate the servicing stack from the LCUs. 
that makes me sad. Oh no! Because frankly, That's I don't so care. sad. Frankly, I don't care about Windows 10 patching because I don't patch Windows 10 clients. I'm only doing servers. It sounds really selfish. It, Sorry. it is a little bit selfish, but yeah, no. If you're not patching Windows 10 clients, why do you care? But no, server always gets oh, left in the dust. You know, with Windows 10, half the time you don't even know what patches you're even installing. You're just clicking the button and it's just going. Because the description is usually like provide security protection in words that nobody understands, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. See, with Windows Server, there's enough versions or server OSs that you're going to probably find compared to your fleet of endless Windows 10 endpoints, whereas servers last a long, they last a bit longer than endpoints or get replaced less frequently than endpoints. So you might have some 2012 R2s, some 2016s, and if you're really lucky, uh, maybe some 2008 R2s if you haven't retired those yet. But you have to deal with a more varied uh, stack of OSs and then two updates a month a piece for each one where you have to ensure the servicing stack update gets installed first, often which uh, WSOS will usually take care of the order correctly, but in the off chance that you have to manually remediate, it's just one extra KB to install. It bugs me. Yeah, it is really frustrating. I don't like it. The yeah. state of patching is still not great. Yeah, I was excited and then they someone I think someone finally asked, like, this is coming to server OS too, and they're like, No, of course not. I'm like, <laughs> Suck. <laughs> and that was like the best Nigel Thornberry laugh ever. Was that Nigel Thornberry? I wasn't trying to be no, Nigel Thornberry. No, it's okay. That show was great. Anyhow. It was great. This episode is um, also filled with lots of ADHD today. Uh, is there any other episode of Hope This Helps that's not filled with ADHD? Let's. <laughs> no, that's the sysadmin way. We're just bouncing around from topic to topic. We're not even, we're not yeah. even looking at our show notes in the correct order. <laughs> No, we've actually done pretty okay. We've done okay. Pretty we, okay. We, we skipped over my Apple Watch rant. Oh, how did I not even see that? Oh, it's like no, six bullets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if that says I just don't care. Or that I mean, I've you, heard that story before. I mean, you don't, you don't, we don't have to care if you don't want. It's no, not... no, no. You have to tell the story because you were so angry about it the other day. And it's worth the rage. Yeah, I put this on here not because it's a sysadmin topic. It's just that it was just five days of my life that was just stupid. I have an Apple Watch. I have Apple Care for my Apple Watch. I have another, at least another year of Apple Care on this watch. Why do I have to send it in and wait for shipping just to get it diagnosed? Why can't Apple stores do this? They can do this for everything else. But no, I they have to they say, no, you have to just box up your Apple Watch in a casket, send it out to a FedEx box somewhere in your town, wait X amount of days, which isn't instantaneous. This ain't like prime shipping. This is like regular everyone else shipping. It goes to the Apple place. They have it for maybe less than half a day. I get the email saying we received your product. We're looking at it. Maybe two hours later, it's like, we're sending your product back. We couldn't repair it. We can't tell you why now. We're going to enclose a letter in the box telling you what was wrong with it and why we can't repair it. It's like, what? A letter? What is this, the 1800s? This is Apple. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't send a carrier pigeon. You're going to make me like pay, like I don't know, return postage on this at this point? Or you're going to call me on like a landline telling me what to do? You have to go to the nearest payphone. The exact message was, your product arrived at our repair center, but our technicians were weren't able to process your repair request. We're sending the product to you along with a letter that provides more information. And then the letter stated, when I got it a couple days later, 
Our technicians performed complete diagnostics tests on your Apple Watch. They confirmed that it now meets Apple's specifications for performance, usability, and functionality. Your watch is operating above 80% of battery capacity. We provide battery service only for watches operating at less than 80% of capacity. So, okay, I think I skipped a step here. The reason I sent this watch in was because my watch randomly loses like 90% of its charge, maybe an hour off the charger, randomly. So I was like, clearly something is wrong here. There's a chance that the battery health is going and I don't want this thing to explode on my wrist and, you know, blow my hand off or something. I don't know. Batteries are weird. Batteries are scary. You should get them replaced when they start doing weird stuff like this. Absolutely. You know, I decided to be a good citizen and send it in. I was like, I have Apple Care. Should be no no brainer, right? When you start a repair request, the first thing they make you do is unlink it from Find My Apple Watch, which is the Find My whatever, Find My Thing, Find My Apple Thing. In order to unlink an Apple Watch from Find My Apple Watch, you need to wipe the device. Oh, no. And they make you do this before they ship you the box. In fact, they actually check with the Find My Service, and if they see that it's still there, they go, Nuh-uh, we still detect your watch. You need to wipe it first before we will ship you the box. I was like, why? Because the box didn't come till two days later. I'm like, I'm watchless because it's bricked of my own doing because you asked me to do it, but I gotta wait because the box isn't coming till two days. Like, why can't I wipe it then? That's so frustrating. I didn't know it was so complicated. I know you told me, but I guess like I didn't realize how much work. Yeah, this this whole process for just the watch is just mind-bogglingly stupid. This is such a miserable customer experience, I gotta say. Anyways, yeah, so that's the that's the story about it. I I couldn't I I just I was just ugh, it was stupidly frustrating. So frustrating. Experience. I had to turn this into monetizable rage. Understandable, understandable. Yes. I I can't okay. say I blame you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. We're that that's the oh, Apple Care no, Apple Watch rant. Fine. And now back to your regularly scheduled sysadmin stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. Okay, let's let's swing the other way hard. Let's say, um, so Exchange Online and uh, losing the Exchange Online lottery. So last week I ran into another issue with Exchange Online. And this one is, this one I'm not as mad at Microsoft at. It's more like I'm just like, whatever. Um, I was migrating accounts up and suddenly Exchange Online just stops working. Like I lose connection. I can't reconnect. I just get a wall of red errors. And um, there was an exchange advisory. A very limited number of users may intermittently be unable to access Exchange Online via any connection method. That was EX220974. Ow. That's the second time in a month. Uh, User impact. Users may be intermittently unable to access Exchange Online via any connection method. Final status. We're streamlining system processes to address database and communication inefficiencies that could result in delays accessing the service. We're continuing to monitor and analyze service telemetry, and in the event that you are experiencing an exchange online issue with similar symptoms as to those described in this communication, please contact one of our support reps so that we may investigate and address the problem. Dang. Uh, Yeah, it's the, yeah, you screwed up, and I suffer for it. Thanks. Right. We done screwed up. Yeah, I don't even have a commentary on this one. It's the same commentary as last week's. And the week before, no. Bigger and badder issue. <laughs> hey, I mean, that kind of came true, though. Remember last episode, we were we were predicting that this would happen again? Oh, didn't we take bets? <laughs> I think we did. We said something about and next week. And, uh, yes. We are, we are technically in and next week territory. <laughs> oh, 
whole wow we're good we are good we should play the kentucky Gert derby my bet about the ex- the uh, edge back button disappearing never came to fruition though the back mm. button is still an edge right now oh it will go away don't worry yeah win that one microsoft come on yeah so that was the the exchange instance of the week that affected me probably only me because i think they said it was like a it was an even smaller percentage of people compared to the last uh, big problem they had oh so speaking of complaining i i I just thought of this so i have a complaint about teams because we haven't done this this week yet and i don't even see it on here for some reason okay so last weekish i noticed that teams messages would go to one device so the classic outlook thing where messages would go to one device but not to the other so i missed a message on friday from someone and then i emailed them this morning embarrassingly and i didn't know that they had messaged me back on friday and they were like hey tiff by the way i already responded to you didn't you see my message i did not wait this person isn't me and that and that and that application was definitely not slack (laughs) no that also (laughs) happened I was going to say, I think I messaged you on Friday in Slack and you didn't get back to me till today. So, so maybe it's me. No. Is the problem you? Hey. That might be I'm part of it. I'm just linking one to one here. No, no, stop. Okay, so it might be me. But no. No, someone else is also experiencing this, but maybe they have the same phenomenon. 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 I do. But did you? Maybe they have the same problem I do in which we just selectively can see certain things and not others. Yeah, I get it. Correlation is not causation. No, but there was also a service incident last week. So unless Microsoft is trying to cover up my inability to read or see notifications, I really do believe that this is an ongoing issue. We'll meet in the middle. Maybe it was a little of A and a little of a, little of B. You just, you're very salty about not responding to you. Wow. I'm not salty. I'm just, I'm just performing the scientific method of ob- observing common oh, trends. Is that like the <laughs> nice way of saying I'm slightly salty? Anyways. <laughs> so we're going to let Slow Steve sodium. blow off his steam for a minute and maybe get rid of some of the salt content. I'll just go uh, on mute for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... We already talked about Microsoft Ignite. Oh, that was the end of the team story? It was just messages no. didn't show oh, up? No, so the messages don't show up. I, I mean, I didn't know that you wanted more. You sounded like you were done or you were going to keep ragging on me. Oh, no, I wanted to know I wanted to know the end of oh, the story. So, yeah, so today I email him and he was just like, uh, Tiff, yeah, I messaged you on Friday. But I didn't have any notifications or anything. But the me- sure enough, there was the message from Friday. There it but is. Someone else was complaining earlier in the week that ever since they moved to Teams on Mac, that their messages don't show up. And I did see a service notification about delays last week, probably around Wednesday or so. But this was on Friday. This reminds me of Skype for Business on mobile, where it would just eat messages and only show up on one device instead of all of them. Yes. Way back in the day. Yes. And that's what it felt like. And it was embarrassing when I sent the email that was like aggressively like you never responded to me. And they were just like, um, check again. Small one. You say maybe the team's messages were just the friends we made along the way. Yeah. 
or enemies. I'm going to make a lot of not friends real fast if I keep getting delayed, but it's so sad. Let's avoid that. No, it's just so sad though, because like it should just work. Was it like during business hours? Was it after hours? No, it was during business hours. So I really do think that the services are just... I had like 15 unread emails about Office 365 Health today. So I think it's been it's been a day. I think a lot mm. of it had to do with Power Automate and Flow today. And oh, maybe... Yeah. I forget what the other product was. It was something. It's been a day. It's also been like a heavy hitting phishing day. I was like nonstop just trying to keep track of phishing today. Yeah. I didn't yeah. experience that, but I, I believe it. It's, you know. Spoofing DMARC, DKIM stuff. DKIM, all the good stuff. No, sorry, I had I had one more follow-up to that, and I forget. Oh. I, I was forgetting the name of the, uh, was it, it was Digicert. Digicert tends to have issues failing its own SPF or DMARC or DKIM, whatever it is. Because um, I got an email from them. I pieced it together. It was from a coworker who wanted to get me enrolled in DigiCert as like a backup for certificate renewals. And um, But I didn't know that at first. I just got the email unsolicited. So I was like, is this a phishing email? It's addressed to me. I wasn't expecting this. I uh, popped into the headers of the email and I looked at the SPF and the all that and it said fail all over. And I was like, hmm. But apparently that's a thing. Like uh, a lot of the CAs uh, will fail their own uh, checks for that stuff or in some illogical manner i guess it's because they're at the top level and it's hard to say you're you if you're if you're at the king of the mountain i don't know i don't really understand certs that well but i guess it kind of makes sense to me in my stupid brain way of thinking of things certs are like this weird mystery that don't really make sense but they do yeah i i don't i don't really know gonna... a lot yeah no usually it's like i one don't have any interest in them most days to yeah. someone else who knows more about them usually handles them. Yeah, I have a big blind spot when it comes to certs, and I'm just not very not very good at them in general. Yeah. No, yeah. It's it's something I should really get better at and try to understand. And I can get by, but I really always have to like relearn the entire process of making a cert, doing a CSR, mm-hmm. getting the rec- you know doing the installation without taking down whatever it is I'm working on or locking myself out. Right. And then also understanding the type of cert that you need. Yeah. It's a Steve area of improvement I need to work on for sure. Yeah. I should definitely work on that as well. It's a good, it's a good one to know. Yeah. No, it's because it's, it's, it's pretty much universal knowledge for a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. if you're running an Nginx server or, you know, Exchange or some stupid web application that needs it for HTTPS, for TLS certs, because these certificates are now expiring, like, you know, only like a year now, instead of you could set like two, three or four years back in the day. But then Apple is like, nope, we're only going to allow, we're only going to acknowledge certs that expire in a year because Safari and security and yada. Yep. All the good stuff. Mm. Okay. So, um, yeah, we, we spoke about Ignite already. We, we spliced yeah, we that did. all throughout the, uh, the boot up already so needless to say the session times are crazy careful when you register for stuff a lot of the sessions are rsvps which is odd because it's a digital event and why are there caps on these sessions again probably to make the video chats more like are they much... gonna try to do like stupid team stuff like the bud light showtime cam for ignite maybe side note have you seen that in the nfl games it's, no, is it is it cool or is it like really stupid? It's real cringe. It's it's real stupid. They only show it interspliced between like programming and commercials, so it's like during that like transition, or maybe uh, for like a quick five second spot. 
but it seems every single time I've seen it, at least yesterday and even tonight during Monday Night Football and right before we started recording, they get like 15 people that have dial-up internet and a webcam from like the 1950s. They're moving at like 5 FPS and you're hearing this really garbled like... And oh like, no! Okay. Oh, Great! No. I'm watching. I'm watching people on their couches in slideshow vision. It's come on, teams. If you want to yeah. demo, if you want to put this on national television, at least get some people that have some Logitech C920s as a minimum benchmark, and maybe internet that's above 50 meg. We should try doing it, but do the wave, but like from our couches. Oh, I could see that being very With successful. Terrible video like nokia cell phone video quality i have my old lg vx 8100 in another room i could boot that thing up and record a really crappy video on it it'd be so good that was one of my first cell phones with a camera and it was pretty good at the time it is garbage now i had some i my first cell phone was actually ironically a phone in chinese oh yeah you were telling me that yeah Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't switch the language no no so i had to learn how to use uh, it was like a Motorola flip phone, but the primary language was in probably Mandarin, I would guess. I remember doing that with friends' phones, changing the language, and then it was like, okay, how well do you know your phone? Switch it back to English. And they were like, oh no, but usually we figured it out. You kind of no. just clicked around the settings until you saw the word English, and it was the only word in English that said English, and you e- clicked that, and you're like, oh, okay, I fixed my phone. The weirdest thing about this phone, though, is it only had one language on it. Oh, that's yeah. that's, that's that's less good. No, it was less good, but I learned how to navigate a phone without having any English on it. So I could type the keyboard in English. So if I was texting, but like all of the words and menus and everything were in Mandarin or some form of Chinese. Oh, must have. Yeah, the the OS, the, the flash or whatever must have been. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was bizarre. And then one time I went to a rugby practice in the snow and it was like 12 inches of snow and I I dropped the phone there for like three days until the next practice. I didn't realize it. And when I went back, it was in the same spot. The thing was still on and working. I thought you were about to say it was in English. <laughs> yeah, no, it was in English and sitting in the snow. <laughs> the snow translated my phone. Yeah, it did. It made us start speaking English somehow. No, <laughs> no. <sighs> yep, no miracle snow. No. No, it still it still worked. It still turned on, and the battery wasn't dead. Oh, how about that tank of a phone? A Motorola back in two thousand and seven. Wow, we're good at telling the stories. They're not even sysadmin stories. No, but they're kind of relatable. They're tech stories still. Yeah, we're we're in the ballpark. Let's uh let's talk about some uh some random IT sysadmin stories. Yeah. Since we're on the story boat today. Yeah, why not? Let's talk about that one time I was hired for SCCM imaging and all the insanity that came along with that. This is beautifully dramatic. It is. It's a lot of uh, really seedier pants with zero dollar budget, scrape it all together, sysadmining, which is fun and horrendously stressful at the same time. Where do I begin with this? My wheelhouse for a while was uh, Ghost, WDS, SCCM, the trilogy of imaging. I knew all three almost equivalently at one point in my life. I'm rusty on all three now. Probably SCCM is probably the only one I'm really that great at anymore, if even. It's been a while. I had been interviewing at a place where they were like, oh yeah, you have a pretty good uh, repertoire of SCCM. We're looking to switch to that, but you know we haven't had the chance to learn it. The one guy who was the head sysadmin was leaving, so they're looking to do a 
torch handoff and maybe get that um, rolled out at this place. So I was hired there to get it deployed. And I think the first week I was there on the job, the first task was actually somewhat unrelated. It was, hey, uh, we need to build a DPM server first because we have our backup server the old one wasn't in a good place the raid was dead and the server was on its last legs and uh we could use some backups so we should probably put that as a priority first so i'm taken to the server room and i'm pointed to a pile of just junk and metal and hardware and drives and a couple of husks of power edges in the corner and it's like can you build something out of this you're kidding me right no uh this is this is what we got this is the spare parts pile we are in the data center he goes yep oh, it's like no. all right it's like all right we're we're doing this we're building a server out of just lego pieces in the bin um so task one was to build the dpm server i somehow figured i somehow did it um i'm amazed i'm just amazed that it worked and it functioned as long as it did and then task two was okay i did the task that did the busy work task that i wasn't really that interested in let's move on to the sccm server so there was a power edge 1950 it was a 1u server pizza box in the rack whatever it was running it wasn't needed anymore so i wiped it started it clean got a nice data disk in there installed windows server 2012 r2 installed sccm built it out and this is still maybe like the second week i'm there so i'm still kind of trying desperately to just figure out how the network works and how everything is mapped to everything vlans and subnets and everything switches and the quirks uh where the wireless and wired and the wan meets the lan all that kind of stuff that was that was such a beautiful story it oh, almost yeah, felt no. very land before time-ish well that was that was the that was the intro oh we haven't even gotten to the content <laughs> no yeah, that was so we've built the server and we're still trying to figure out the network. So we're trying to figure out the ways we can image the uh the rooms, the labs, the classrooms. The old way they did it was with WDS. The way you image with WDS is you don't push the image, you don't push the images out. You boot each system via Pixie and it reaches out to the WDS server and you manually kick it off at each machine. The image file that is used is the same one SCCM uses, but you're not pushing, you're kind of manually initiating it. It's still better than nothing, but it's a lot of manual labor regardless. That is very true. Yeah, MDT is similar. MDT is, it's like WDS plus. I never really got into MDT. It's a lot of options, but it's kind of like, it's like the poor man's SCCM and you can't push it, you're still manually booting and you got to use boot stuff and i don't know i always thought wds was kind of cleaner and easier to wrap your head around and if you were going to jump to sccm just kind of just bunny hop right over mdt you don't really need to concern yourself with it at least that's just my opinion so before it was wds you'll be pulling it down no multicast no image distribution no p2p no any of that so the wds server would just get slammed every summer when we had to rebuild the labs and classrooms and the image file so tell me stop me if you think this is insane but a 100 plus gig image deployed to like say 300 computers at a time maybe slightly crazy just a little bit maybe yeah that, that honestly that's pretty crazy it was so bad that whenever imaging had to be done there'll just be an announcement set out saying the network is going to be unavailable this week didn't matter what you were doing it's like go on 4g go home use mcdonald's wi-fi the network just ain't going to be available and that's that was insane imagine just telling everybody that you know you don't have students on campus during the summer at least but it's like that's horribly inefficient that's uh not ideal how long did it take to push out 
the 100 gig image. I think we had to break it up between, we had to do it in phases, like in classrooms. I think it usually took like two to three weeks. I never really saw a full cycle of that because when I started, the first thing I said was, we ain't doing this. I was like, that's that's nuts. Um, I know I'm new here. I know I'm the FNG, but we're gonna, we're gonna change some stuff right here and now. And the first thing was, okay, we have a CCM. We have a proof of concept. At this point, I had imaged a system successfully as a test. I was like, okay, here's what we did before in my old place. We thinned out the image. We made it so that you could get the systems all in a bootable state with a image file that's only like, I don't know, seven gigs, maybe less. I forget how big exactly. If you compressed it, it was even less. The WIM basically just contained Windows updates. You just kind of made like a really blank Windows 7 image, patched it up as far as you could, and then you saved that as your WIM, and that was it. Everything else was deployed separately as applications in a CCM, and you could deploy them on the fly, and you didn't even have to deploy the applications when you image the systems. They could just trickle down, you know, at their leisure, and it wouldn't kill the network immediately oh wow that is the uh that is the way that is the uh the good way of imaging systems if you can get to that point speaking of imaging systems similar to steve i also started off imaging labs and classrooms ironically in two different locations um but imaging max yeah i was I was uh, somehow promoted, and by promoted, it was uh, one of those voluntold experiences that <laughs> I, <laughs> I would be handling the Mac labs, and I had to work with one of the pretty complicated people who worked in the infrastructure team, who was the person who did all the imaging for the Mac labs for a very long time. And a lot of it was because no one on the help desk wanted to work with him uh, because (laughs) of how difficult they were. But so I basically was voluntold to start imaging Mac labs. You were voluntold and and you were the only sucker who said yes. Yeah, no, I was. (laughs) So I basically had built the trust of this person over time. And this person... Steve has met him. Oh, I have. Is it one of the more challenging and honestly how we named this podcast? Uh, one of the smartest and most challenging people to work with because everything you did would be heavily scrutinized. So when they were looking for someone to join on the exchange, he needed someone to help him because the it had grown, the university had grown so massively so quickly. He went from managing a couple of thousand of email accounts to hundreds of thousands of accounts by himself on like Exchange 2007, 2010 with uh, Office 365 Hybrid. And this is way back in 2013, 2014 time. Uh, So it feels like so long ago now. That was a very long time ago. It was so long ago. It was back in like Office 365 was like mid middle-aged child hardly it was still a baby back then it was still a baby it was still pooping itself every three days it still does um you know they never got the litter box for it i was hired into the role to basically be his junior admin what he would do as part of my training was very mr miyagi like and part of it is i just don't think he wanted to show me what he was doing so he would give me like useless tasks throughout the day so that way I wouldn't bother him such as like start looking at attributes of things that for exchange accounts that didn't matter just so I wouldn't talk to him finally I caught on to it 
And I started asking him more and more questions, but he was like almost on a be like, what are you doing? You're giving me all the crap jobs. Yeah, no. And I was like, excuse me. I want to do more. Like, excuse me. So, I'm here. Right. And I just will never forget, though, the way he imaged the Mac labs. It was just so funny. He had like these three hard drives that had the image on it and he had a very strategic method oh he was doing it with the hard I, drives okay so he didn't have yeah, uh no we were doing there was no deploy studio it was just the old way of just plugging it in and doing a uh, disk utility and uh just yes like wiping and then so basically i would just sit in the labs on the weekends by myself just imaging this lab because it was uh it wasn't snow leopard that was no that was 2009 it was probably like mountain lion i want to say mountain lion 2013 2014 mountain lion yeah no that makes sense i want to okay it was definitely mavericks but so this is like back when firewall now firewire uh thunderbolt had really just now hit the scene and it was like ugly and clunky and it was like a million dollars to buy the cables for it yeah i just i and this this wasn't even that long ago this just seems like a millennia ago as far as technology is yeah thunderbolt was expensive because it was like it was licensing it was in licensing hell Mm -hmm. and intel wanted a lot for it apple put chips and firmware into it. it thunderbolt I like the idea, but it was just mired in stupid decisions from top to bottom. It was super fast, but it was just so stupid. Yeah, I think they've kind of figured it out with USB-C now because Thunderbolt and USB-C are kind of similar now. The licensing requirement is gone, and I think there's less firmware things in the cables to have to deal with nowadays. Exactly. It's definitely more universal. So yeah, imaging Mac Lab. So Steve and I both went from imaging things to doing other stuff, drinking coffee and doing some stuff. Yeah, no, I just kind of drink coffee all day and play with azure self-service password reset or script things that's pretty cool do what you love living the life do what you love not live to work don't work i don't know where i was going with that or work to live don't live to work i forget which one's the right one (laughs) work to work to live no i work to live i live to work this is what i do that is accurate this week's that is accurate is accurate so Mac, M-A-C, is not the same as Mac. That is accurate, and I wish more people knew it. So like a Mac address versus like a Macintosh computer? That is correct. When you see Mac in all capitals, it is supposed to mean a Mac address, not a Macintosh. And if people are incorrectly referring to Macintoshes as capital M, capital A, capital C, lowercase s... They are wrong, and they should be corrected on the spot. That is honestly very fair. They are not the same. They don't even look the same. Because MAC capital, that that stands for something. Yes, uh, media access control. I am so sorry if that's wrong. Media access control address. Yes, I was correct. I had a feeling it was right. I just wanted to make sure. And I didn't want to have to put that as a correction for the next show (laughs) understandable but it seems like we did both know it yeah Yeah. i'm so glad that mac filtering i don't miss mac filtering i know some places still do it but yeah ios uh, is randomizing mac addresses now 
So, and that's actually kind of a pain for a lot of wireless systems for that we're relying on MAC address bindings because MAC addresses never change on systems unless you're spoofing them, which you probably shouldn't be doing or maybe malware is doing. Right. But but Apple is now putting that to behavior in its default where it's randomized in the name of privacy. But a lot of places rely on the hard-coded MAC address to be able to identify a device and approve it for the network or do MAC filtering or stuff like that. You can disable it in iOS 14. I don't know if it's per SSID or if it's just a global setting. I haven't installed iOS 14 just yet, so I'm not entirely certain. But uh, Apple is changing the game on that. But uh, back to the capital MAC versus the sentence case MAC. That's up there in my pet peeves with people that say Game Boy as one word where it's actually two words. It's Game Boy. Boy. There's a space in the middle. There was always a space in the middle. That's how Nintendo always said it. It is not one word Game Boy. Get it right. Same people with Mac all caps. If you say Mac all caps, you sound like a technologically illiterate person. You just sound like someone who just refuses to say things the right way. Capital M, lowercase a, lowercase c, short for Macintosh. Media Access Control, capital M, capital A, capital C. A Macintosh can have a Mac capital M, capital A, capital C, address inside it. And so can an iPhone. All iPhones have Macs inside them. There you go. There's your tip of the day. So what is your opinion on Lego versus Legos? I'm kind of honestly indifferent. What is the official term? Plural of Lego is Lego. Is that the official? Yeah. Yeah. So the plural of Lego is Lego. So you you won't ever have like Legos. Yeah. Unless, um. no, you're right. Because Le- Lego is the brand. I guess I've always been saying that wrong, but I just... I don't know. I've never been a big. I've never been a super big Lego person, so I just haven't been in the well, scene. Well, yeah, because like I mean, they're they're Legos, sure, but like the brand the, is the brand too. So like you have Lego. That is true. Yeah. So I understand that. Yeah, there are certain terms. Anyhow, we we digress. We could talk all night about about pluralities and correct ways of pronouncing and right. saying things, but we got to draw the line at some point. We're gonna be semantics this evening. Oh, not Simon text. Simon Tech. <laughs> I remember someone walking up to me and they were like, oh, yeah, I have Simon Tech endpoint protection installed on my sister. I was like, what? Wait, really? I was like, you have what installed? Wait, they actually said Simon Tech? Oh, yeah, they said it. And I kind of looked at them and I was like, huh? Wait, what is that? It's like, the hell no, is I know that? what it is, but like, Simon, you're like, what? The, what is that? Simon Tech? Like, is that like one of like Alvin and the Chipmunks? Simon Tech, Theodore, and Alvin? Y- yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> you just reminded me of that memory. Wow. Yeah, that person was. Yeah, no. That person was out there. We're getting all, we're getting all semantics over here. So we're going over semantics or Simon Techs. A little Simon Tech. Mm. Anyhow. Wow. Memories. Wow. Speaking of things like Simon Text, so for the Stiff's question of the week, what are some of your favorite free tools, utilities that you use as a sysadmin? Mm-hmm. I love these. I picked out my top one, two, three, four, five. I picked out my top six. Yeah, all of them. I'll go through them real quick. Um, I like, first, if I could say it right, Visual Studio Code, Windows Terminal, Everything Search, ShareX, Robocopy, and Winderstat. All of these are either free or bundled um, into the OS. I do really like VS Code, and that is your fault. Um, You're welcome. But I, I still love parts of Ice. I'm, I'm not over that yet. But now I just make VS Code look like Ice. Um, That's fine. I really like ShareX. Also, your fault. <laughs> also, you're also welcome. 
Sherex is great. Um, I like it better than the snipping Sherex? tool or the snip and sketch because it just gives you just a few extra options. And it's a little more responsive, at least in my opinion, and I can edit and save screenshots bit faster than the snipping tool. Agreed. Honestly, I've gone from using the, I've been using the Mac built-in, which I used to love back in a long time ago. But ever since using ShareX for multiple years, I really struggle <laughs> with like usability. I'm just like, ShareX just makes it really easy. Yeah. Mac OS has a bunch of built-in screenshot utilities. It's, um, if I remember this correctly, it is command shift three for an immediate um save five and there's also command shift four which will save to desktop i think they may have uh command shift four lets you do a snippet oh did they change so let you choose the region no no it's been like that since 2009 oh right no you're right yeah command shift four is the snippet screenshot and it saves to desktop yeah that's that's where i got confused yeah but now you can save it to your iCloud oh that's not your iCloud your OneDrive Oh, yeah. The last the only Mac I own got cut off at the knees at a uh, Mac OS Sierra, so that that uh that Aww. functionality I haven't seen, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, my favorite free tool is my work computer cuz it's free and it's pretty awesome. That's good. Free is always the best computer. No, I really like ShareX and VS Code. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say I saw I was like a computer is your favorite tool? I was like, "Wow, what a <laughs> No, it's totally a cop-out answer. <laughs> I also really like the one that we talked about, the exchange drawing tool that I can't remember the name of it. Oh, the Active really Directory like Diagrammer. Mapper tool, yeah. What did we call that? That one's really cool. And then there's like uh, an AD group tool that like it's an ad pulling tool that like basically makes a gui so you don't have to use powershell it's pretty cool but i'll have to see what it's called because i i cannot recall it right at this very moment yeah there's posh gui which i've played around with a little bit it's like a website where you can make a gui for powershell but i haven't i wasn't very good at it and i kind of got frustrated at it maybe i'll come back to it someday that would be really cool because it'll be nice to make gui wrappers for things and not have to fire up visual studio and actually make Make a .NET application, which I had to do once, and I hope I never have to do that again. If I, the more I can yeah. stay away from Visual Studio Code and VB.NET, the better for my mental sanity. Agreed. You should definitely stay away from that VB. Yeah, I can. I can code in VB. I just don't like it. That's how I feel about regular expressions. Well, regular expressions are just for masochists in general. They are. They're so painful. Oh. Before we continue on with this episode, and it's like going to be two hours long, <laughs> we should probably say goodbye. Yeah, I think we got we to gotta end it at some point. We were really excited about tonight. We just really wanted to talk about a lot of things. So we, we ran long tonight, which is fine. Because you miss us. Anyhow, so thank you for listening to Hope This Helps the Podcast. We have a website, hhpc.com. We are on iTunes and all of your other major podcast aggregating sites. I don't, they're not really sites, I guess. Application sites. Portals. Eh, portals might be a good uh, term for that. We're now on Amazon Music, it looks like. Pretty cool. Yeah, our latest podcast publication is Amazon Music. That just went live a couple of days ago when Amazon Music Podcast went live as a whole. So we're, we're among the first generation of podcasts on there along with like 800 others. That's actually pretty awesome. Yay. We're pioneers. We are pioneering our hopelessness on the internet. But however, 
Thank you for listening to us. Tune in next time. We don't have a regular cadence, but we try to produce this bi-week or no weekly. Uh, it's been more bi-weekly lately. But hhpc.com, rate us on iTunes. Check we don't even out. care if you give us a one. Just give us um, give us a something where you can find us. We're on Twitter. We have a Twitter for the podcast. I don't really have a public Twitter just yet. Um, He's Vergan. Tiff's around as well. I say some things. I might be starting a separate podcast at some point myself. Wow, way to way to like totally not a plug or anything. That that's not wow, rude. It's it's related. It's a... it is related. No, you should listen to it. I'm not trying to take the attention. Yeah, not here. to not to spoil anything. I'm thinking. Well, I'm not thinking of. I've, I'm already I'm already way. I'm like neck deep in production of this. I'm launching a solo podcast. It's not necessarily a tech podcast. It is kind of a anything podcast. But be on the lookout for things learned coming in October somewhere. If I can get my act together and launch it when I want to launch it, that will be coming soon. It's not really a tech or sysadmin thing. There will be tech things in it, but it's not going to be limited to tech. And it's just going to be a solo thing I'm working on. Uh, in the future, this might be listed somewhere, but I think I've settled on the title as Things Learned. So check that out someday. 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 Anyways. It'll be really good. It, yeah. It'll be good, I hope. If not, I'll just delete it from the internet and say it. I never did it. Okay. Thank you, everybody. And uh, until next time, we hope this helps.